Today is a special Sunday. I'm going to be addressing the dads today. Dads, this is a sermon for you. Now, I don't usually do this. I, don't, I typically, when I preach, I want to preach to a wide body of ministers. Because we're all ministers in Christ, amen? When I preach, the mandate that I believe the Lord has given me is to preach in order to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, whether you are a youth, a young adult, whether you are single, you're married, whether you are a parent, whether you are a single parent, whether you are a mother-to-be, a father-to-be, a mother-figure, father-figure, wherever you are at, my goal is to preach to all of us, to equip us. But today I'm going to be addressing the dads this morning. But I will say this, though. Even though I'm going to be addressing the dads, I believe what I'm going to say this morning, again, wherever you are at, I believe the Lord is going to speak to you this morning, whether you are, again, a father-to-be, a father figure in someone's life, okay, whether you are a mother-to-be, mother figure in someone's life, wherever you're at, I believe the Lord is going to speak to you this morning. But with that said, dads, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. All right, thank you. Thank you. Because let me tell you something. It isn't easy being a dad. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Some of the moms in this place are like, what? I gave birth. Mic drop. <laughs> right? It's like, yes, absolutely. We honor you. We absolutely honor you. Appreciate you, moms. And uh, we know none of us would be here if it wasn't for you. Right? That's so true. Uh, but Uh, today I do want to be addressing the dads because it's not easy. And I don't know if this is just my family. I'm not saying all dads in all history were like this. Maybe it's just in my family. But maybe you can relate with me. But the role of the dad has evolved over the years. Am I right? I mean, there are a lot more expectations on dads today. And you know what? In many ways, that's good. Right? Amen. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, it's true. It's true. Because dads, we need to step it up. There's many areas in our lives where we need to step it up. Okay, for instance, one time, this is a neat story. This is a true story, okay? I was changing one of my child's diapers. I can't remember which one. I have four kids. I think it was Lydia. It was possibly Ezra. But I just remember the shock value I received. My parents were over, and my dad was watching me, and I was changing. I think it was Lydia's diaper. And uh, I looked over at him, and he had this funny look in his face, like, like this kind of a weird look in his face. And I was like, have you, what's up, what's up, dad? Have you never changed a diaper before? And he goes, no. I was like, what? He's like, I've never changed a diaper. I've never changed any one of your diapers. And I was like, what? Because listen, today... There wouldn't be a father alive who could say something like that. No way. I mean, if I said to Allie, hey, Allie, I don't change diapers. It's not in my job description. Listen, I'd be a goner, man. I'd be dead. That does not happen today. It just, it just doesn't, right? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I said something really funny one day to Allie, and I thought I was being awesome. 
I thought I was being great. And I was like, man, I got to write this down in the book of awesomeness and just bring it to church one day and teach the fathers how to be great fathers and how to be great husbands. I had this revelation. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this for Allie. And I went to Allie and I was like, Allie, and I was serious. I thought she'd be so happy, so thrilled. This is what I said, okay? I was like, Allie, why don't you go out tonight, have fun with your friends, and I'll babysit the kids. I was serious. I was like, Yes, I'm thinking, man, this is like, I'm scoring mad points here. And she's, I thought she'd be like, ah, yes. She, you know what her uh, reaction was? Excuse me? I was like, what? 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 Excuse me? It's called being a dad. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> Babysit. <laughs> you, you only make a mistake once and then you never make it again, right? I made a big one. Oh, man, dads. Can anyone relate with me here? Come on, guys. Right? Never again, never again. It is hard being a dad. Now, all jokes aside, it is difficult. It is a high calling to be a father. It isn't easy. To be a father who can attune to the needs of his children, who can come alongside them when they're emotionally all over the place, to help try to guide them, attune to them, and bring them to a place of understanding what's going on. To help them navigate through this world, which is increasingly becoming dark and disturbing. To help them come to an understanding of who God is. And help them to experience God as their greatest treasure. Listen, dads, that is a high calling. It's not an easy task to teach them to love Jesus. It's not an easy task. We need God's help for that task. And you know what? I think God designed it so that we would absolutely need God's help to fulfill the task of being a father. We need God's help. Because listen, dads, this is for real. For children, their primary understanding of who their heavenly father is, comes from their earthly father. That's how they're going to view their heavenly father. Their primary, that's how they learn. And so if a dad, if a father is angry, controlling, distant, they're going to think that's how God is. And so later in life, when they do finally, by the grace of God, come to that place where they become a follower of Jesus, they need to unlearn things about their Heavenly Father. Our mandate, dads, is to love them and to teach them in such a way that they have nothing to unlearn or as less to unlearn as possible. And that's, you may be saying, that's a hard task. And I'm here to tell you, actually, it's an impossible one on your own strength. You can't do it. It's not possible on your own strength. We need God's help. So guys, this morning, I want to read a passage from Galatians. We're in a series in the book of Galatians right now, and I'm going to read one passage in Galatians chapter 2, but I want us to read it together. All the guys with me, let's read this together. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live 
But Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The title for my message this morning, guys, is The Resurrected Dad. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. We thank you. We thank you for who you are. You are the God who poured out his spirit upon all flesh, Lord. You have poured out your spirit, and we now, because of what you've done, because of how you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, to set us free, to fill us with your spirit, we can now walk in freedom. We can now walk in this resurrected life. Help us, Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to break free from chains, break free from bondage, break free from lies. I love what Jeff said this morning. Fear. False expectations appearing real. Break us free from that, Lord God. That we would stand in the identity of being children of God. And that through that, we would pass that on to our children as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm very thankful for my dad. My dad is a godly man. He serves the Lord faithfully. He's been uh, an elder at his church uh, for many years. They have a term. I can't remember exactly how many year term it is. I think it's nine years. He fulfilled the entire nine year term. And towards the end of that term, he was the chair of the elders board. Um, and in his church, that would be like the, the chair of the board. He's, he's the one in charge of things. And uh, my dad's very entrepreneurial. And so this uh, time frame when he was the elder, when he served as an elder, it was just perfect timing, God's timing, uh, because the church was going through a lot of changes, a lot of good things. The church was growing, but with that came all these challenges. And the wisdom that God gave my father just happened to play uh, at the right time for the church. And so he served faithfully uh, at his church. And uh, he's been on mission trips. And it's just so amazing to see uh, my dad. I look up to my dad, you know, just how faithfully he serves the Lord and how just bold he is and just going after his dreams. And it's just really awesome to see that. Um, I remember at, at my wedding, my dad did a speech, and uh, his speech was about himself. And at first I thought, why are you talking about yourself, man? Like, what? My wedding. But, uh, you know, it was interesting. Actually, I look back on it now, and I'm like, that was so inspirational what he said. Because he talked about how he came to Canada with 25 cents in his pocket. He literally had, like, almost nothing except a heart full of dreams. And he worked hard really hard and he went after it he has that entrepreneurial spirit he started several businesses he became a real estate agent and he worked really hard to provide for his kids the opportunities that he dreamed of in war-torn south korea where it was poor i mean he worked very hard and so you know i am very thankful for my dad i wish he was here um Maybe he'll listen to it on the podcast. But, you know, I just, I'm so thankful for him. But to be honest, I will say this. Growing up with my dad was not easy. It wasn't easy. And he knows this. We've had chats about this. But you see, he didn't come to 
faith until much later in life. He didn't come to Christ until much later in life. And so in my early years, my dad was very different. I remember him. Well, first of all, he was absent. He wasn't around much. My dad worked 15 hours a day, six days a week. So I didn't see him much. I'd wake up in the morning and he's gone. I'd go to bed before he came home. And it was like that for much of my childhood. And so I actually don't have memories of playing with my dad. None. Because he was working hard. And you know, he was providing for us. I understand that. But I just, I just don't have any of those memories. As I got a bit older, the way I would describe my father is he was a drill sergeant. I mean, he had high expectations for my grades. And um, I would come home and I, just, I wasn't the straight-A student. It's just, I just couldn't do it. I'm one of the few Asians who can't do math, okay? I've said this before at Trinity. I just like that, man. I'm an artist, okay? So I, I draw things and I preach. But yeah, math, I don't know. It's just, whew. I don't get math, man. So, but my dad, I mean, he would put me in all these tutors and we called them hagwans. Uh, places where you learn more math, extracurricular math. And I, I'd go to like so many of these different ones and it did nothing for my grades. Uh, and I just, I never felt like I met his expectation. And I would strive, I'd really try to make my father proud. And it felt like this thing I could just never achieve. And it was hard. And let me tell you something, performance, it drove me to be a performer. Like performance meant everything. And uh, if you're here, Trinity Twins, slow pitch, you would know why I freak out a lot when I don't do so well. I apologize, guys. You know, I know. Uh, you know, but that's what it is. It's performance-driven nature. And, and, and when I fail at something, I die inside. And it's like, that's how I was. That's how I, I was, you know. And, and, and you know, a lot, in a lot of ways, that's how I viewed God as this, you know, taskmaster that I need to do all these things so that he would be proud of me, so that he would be happy, that I would gain salvation, that I would gain his favor. I need to do all this stuff. Then he'll bless me. This idea I had about God By the way, as I'm saying all this, I just want you to know that things have changed between my father and I. Just miracle what God did in our lives uh, when he got saved. I mean, just totally different. He's a totally different person now to the point where I, I look at him. I'm like, who are you? He's so laid back. I'm like, what? Why weren't you like this when I was a kid? <laughs> you know? But it was like, he's, God's really changed his heart. He has this peace that is so profound in his heart. And uh, we've had talks, we've had reconciliation, it's just been awesome. Um, but I do remember saying things like this, and I'll admit, this was before I had kids, even before I got married, I would say, I'm never going to be a father like my dad. I'm not going to do that to my kids. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to be involved in their lives. I'm going to try to find their gifts and, and see how God wired them and move them in that direction. Instead of trying to dream my dreams through them, I'm going to find their dreams and help them achieve theirs. And I, I would say all these things. And then I became a father, a father of four. And let me tell you something. <laughs> changes everything. It changes your perspective. I now, I look at my dad totally differently. I'm like, wow. It's not easy. Nobody's perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. I've got challenges. Major, massive ones. And it's like, wow. 
I appreciate my father. And as dads, I think we all face challenges, amen? We all face challenges. We all have struggles. We're not perfect. We face challenges of being a hardworking provider while being a hands-on dad at home. We have challenges of finding the right work, family, life balance. And for new dads, you face the challenge of sleep deprivation and then the work pressure on top of that. And for fathers with older children, though the craziness of toddler, the toddler stage is over, there's a new craziness that comes as your kids get older. More complex challenges. And so when we're in the thick of our parenting challenges, when we are tired and weary, we become stressed. And let me tell you something, that's where the enemy pounces. Right there. When you're weak, when you're vulnerable, when you're stressed, that's where the enemy pounces pounces on you, starts to poke at you, starts to wrap you up in all sorts of condemnation, all sorts of lies and temptation to trap you and prevent you from experiencing the abundant life and living the resurrected life that Christ came to give us, that Christ came to die for us to have. The resurrected life, the life of newness and freedom from bondage. Christ came to give us that. But Satan doesn't want us to live that resurrected life. He doesn't want that. He wants us to operate out of our old nature. The old nature that was crucified with Christ. He wants us to live out of that. And so he'll use lies and strongholds to keep us from experiencing freedom in Christ. So let's look at Galatians 2.20 again. I love this passage. Love this verse. It is, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I love that. Amen. Who loves me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this passage is a central passage in the Christian faith and the Christian message. It's like a John 3.16, Galatians 2.20. It's one of those. It's foundational to our faith. Martin Luther viewed Galatians 2.20 as the chief of all Christian doctrine. It's this verse that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in this world. This verse, it actually sets us apart because the religions of the world tell you that you need to become like the gods, that you need to become transcendent. We're temporal. You need to become transcendent. You're unspiritual. You need to become spiritual. That's what the religions of the world teaches. Christianity has it backwards, the other way around. God became one of us. God came down to live among us, to teach us. He died for us to set us free. That's what Christianity teaches. We're set apart from the rest of the world. Because the Christian faith realizes that as humans, we cannot live the righteous life on our own strength, in our own merit. We can't do it because of Sin. No matter what you do, 
that needs to be dealt with. And that's exactly what Christ came to deal with for us, to set us free. To give us a brand new kind of life through him. This passage is also talking about, in theology, what is called justification. I remember a Sunday school teacher once uh, teaching us about this. And she said, it's one of those things I remembered. Justified means justified never sinned. Justified had never sinned. I was like, wow, that's interesting. And you know what? That's what justification means. Justification means to to be declared not guilty. Justification means to be declared innocent. It means to be declared righteous. That's what the word justification means. We are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you want to know what the opposite of justification is? Condemnation. Condemnation. Condemnation is to be declared guilty. It's the reversal of justification. Condemnation is the reversal. It's the opposite. It's precisely this tool that Satan uses to try to trap us and wrap us up in all sorts of, I love that, fear, false expectation appearing real. Condemnation. Now, I say this every time I talk about condemnation because I think it's important. It's important to repeat there is a difference between condemnation and conviction. As Christians, There are times where we stray. Conviction is like the holy GPS that says, wrong way, course correcting, it's this way. Okay? It's speaking of the direction and action, not your identity. Condemnation attacks your identity. And so condemnation, it's like this cloth here. It makes you, it, 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 it becomes a part of your identity. And Satan makes you think this is who you are. That you are a failure. That you are a failure. Boom, and he gets you all wrapped up in that. That you are worthless. And he gets you all wrapped up in that. That you are unworthy. That you are unlovable. And he gets you all wrapped up in that. Right? You are, let me show you this, (laughs) unlovable. Right? Gets you all wrapped up in that. That you are alone. God's not with you. You're alone. That you are a bad father, a bad husband. You got all this stuff wrapped up all over you. And it's no wonder that you feel trapped as fathers of why you get so irritated and agitated and frustrated and Look at all the weight that's weighing you down. And this is how you view yourself. And and God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if this is how you view yourself, how are you going to view your kids? How are you going to view others around you? It will affect that. This is the tool of the enemy to try to get you all wrapped up like this in all sorts of condemnation. You're carrying all this weight. 
You know who I look like in the Bible? Lazarus. You know that story of Lazarus? John chapter 11, he came out of the tomb. This is what it says. When he had said these things, that's Jesus, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. So here's this incredible miracle. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Four days he was in the tomb. Let me tell you something. He was dead for four days in the tomb. He probably didn't smell good. Okay? He probably stunk of death. But here's this newly resurrected Lazarus. He's coming out. He's got all these linen strips around him. The grave clothes. His grave clothes that was wrapped up all around him. He's, he still has that on. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. Listen, when we come to Jesus, when we come to newness of life, when he raises us to new life, for some of us, we're still bound in our grave clothes. And this is how God, this is how Satan wants us to live. When we have our grave clothes wrapped up around us like this. And so we have our stinking thoughts that causes us to live stinky lives. We smell like death. We smell like our old nature, which was crucified with Christ. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Let him go. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. This is who we are. And so dads, we need to keep this in our minds. Satan wants us to parent out of our old nature, out of condemnation. Why? So that that can get passed on to the next generation. So that they live out of condemnation. We need to stop that pattern. Amen? We need to. We need to. We need to be vigilant in our battle against the old nature. The old self that was crucified with Christ. It's dead. We can take off our grave clothes. It's no longer who we are. We've been raised to new life. We need to stand firm in that identity that God gave us in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the next time the enemy tries to wrap up condemnation all over you, I want you to declare Galatians 2.20 over your life. In fact, let's declare it together. And not just the dads, every single one of us. Because listen, this is for every single person. Every single person. Whether, whoever you are, the enemy is going to try to wrap you up in grave clothes. But that's not who you are. So let's declare Galatians 2.20. Let's all say this together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So church, let this scripture sink into your spirits. It's who we are. Let it sink. Let it become a revelation for you to release you from the power of your grave clothes so that 
Dads, you can be fathers who live resurrected lives, who lead your kids to receive a resurrected life in Christ so that we could do that, so that we could live that way, so that we could point them to Jesus. And so the next time the devil tells you you're a failure, you tell him, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so the next time the devil tells you you're worthless, you tell him, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That's not being worthless. That's being worthy. We are worthy. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Don't let the devil tell you you're worthless. And the next time the devil tells you you're alone, God's not with you, tell him, my God will never leave me, will never forsake me, for he is with me everywhere I go. That's how we take off our grave clothes, by declaring the word of God, by declaring who God says we are back in the enemy's face. And then we will live free, free from the grave clothes and become resurrected dads, resurrected moms, resurrected people of God, walking in newness of life, in freedom. Amen? Amen. God is good. God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We celebrate you. You are a good, good father. It's who you are. You lavish your love upon us. In that while we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. That's who you are. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We thank you for the spirit of the Lord is in us, raising us to newness of life that we become a new creation. God, help us as dads, as fathers, as father figures in people's lives to live that resurrection life, to live set free from the bondage of sin and condemnation, to be able to track and detect when a lie is being spoken over our lives, that we can just shut it down in the name of Jesus by declaring your word. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and we thank you that we can stand firm in all that you say we are in this book, in your word. Help us to live it out, Lord, by your spirit who lives in us. We love you. 
In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. It's beautiful out there.